be perfectly fine. Fine. Okay, fine. 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 You're listening to Everything is Fine in Southwest Washington, a political podcast where we recognize that everything is not at all fine and discuss what we can do about it. I'm Carissa, and our co-hosts here are Evelyn and Philip. Hello, everyone. It's Carissa here solo again for a brief moment before we jump into the interview uh, with Don Steinke, who's running for Clark Public Utilities Commissioner. Uh, We didn't get a chance to really talk about our previous experiences with his work in the community and the unique situation we were dealing with on the day that Don arrived for the interview. So we just wanted to touch on a couple things before jumping in. Um, So a little bit about Don's history. He was a science teacher and he's been a climate activist for decades here in Vancouver, Clark County, and um, some of his notable work being leading the charge with Don Orange against and defeating the oil terminal that was proposed in Vancouver many years ago, as well as the proposed methanol refinery uh, that was also defeated. He has been a loud, informed, and respected voice at port meetings, council meetings, and PUD meetings as long as I've been in the local activist circuit. Uh, currently, he was one of the many individuals responsible for the creation of the Vancouver City Council's Climate Action Framework, uh, which we've covered in a previous episode. It's one of the leading city climate action plans nationwide. So now for the situation uh, when Don showed up, as you all know, the Nakia Creek fire has been raging, had been raging, excuse me, uh, leading to evacuations all over the county. Um, on the day that we interviewed Don, Philip had just been alerted that his parents had to evacuate his childhood home that they actually built themselves. Uh, Evelyn had received news that she might be having some friends stay over who had to evacuate. And I, my dad lives in Camas, and um, I had been told he might be preparing to evacuate. Luckily, he didn't have to. Um, so anyhow, it was... It was just really scary for the for yet another fire to hit so close to home and uh, just the yeah just the the negativity was kind of bearing down upon us and just having to sit and think about uh, everything that our policymakers have been ignoring for so long and how it's like come to this moment as far as um, accelerating climate change and um so anyhow it was just a really bad vibe and um but then dawn arrived he was beaming smiling ear to ear and told us i've just had to evacuate my house with my wife <laughs> and so he he had literally just evacuated himself and came to the interview anyways uh and was just he wasn't going to get bogged down he was going to fight he was going to he came here with a mission to reach as many people as we can with our podcast with his message and why they should vote for him for um the clark public utilities commissioner um so that can he can do the work that needs to be done and that he believes needs to be done and um he said something like he's been fighting against this moment for 15 years um so that was kind of It was just kind of a beautiful moment. Like he just like cast kind of a a ray of sunshine in the darkness of, of the fire. And, um, he's, he just, he just kind of inspired me at least to, um, 
to say, hey, we're we're not gonna stop here. We're we are going to keep pushing the best we can, and um, that's just I think that's the sign of a leader. Um, and he was it was a very delightful interview, and he is so knowledgeable, and he very clearly demonstrated why we need to let go of the 30-year incumbent Nancy Barnes. A vote for Nancy Barnes is a vote for the past uh, in doing the bare minimum. Um, And a vote for Don is pushing us into the future and building the infrastructure that we need to remain resilient in our community. So without further ado, here is our interview with Don Steinke. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to Don Steinke, running for Clark PUD. District 2, right? Uh, thank you, everybody. Glad you're tuned in. Uh, Don is running against other friend of the show, <laughs> Nance. Old Nance, as we like to refer to her. Nancy Barnes. She's been, how long has she been in the seat? 30, 30 years. And okay. before we had her, we were 95% clean in our grid. Then she voted. Then she voted to build a fossil fuel burning power plant, even though that she did this around 1995, 96, 97, and even though in 1989, George H. W. Bush said, "If I'm elected, I'll fight climate change." And at that very same time, we were getting ready for the Kyoto Accords, so climate change was not a mystery. Uh, George H. W. Bush signed the Rio Accords, which said we need to. Um, stabilize our concentration of CO2, and yet we built that gas plant after that. They should have known better, and they built it, and that was one of, that was the second of many mistakes. Okay. Or at least of three, I'll say that. The second of three big mistakes. So do you want to give us the other, the first mistake? First first of all, they made the mistake of going in big for nuclear power back in the, around 1980, and, uh, and they lost so they went in with a coalition of other public utilities, and they built. They they started to build many coal uh, nuclear power plants, and then one of them, Trojan, was shut down because it was in a earthquake zone, and a seismic zone, and in a and in a Mount St. Helens eruption zone. So they closed that down, and um, they have one that was. They've, they've already invested five billion on some of these projects before they closed them down, but the one in Hanford that did get built. This is not the the war program. This is a separate power plant called the Columbia River Generation Generating Facility. It's operating. It's it's one of our most expensive resources right now, and um, expensive resources as a state uh, or expensive energy resources. Okay, uh, and um, uh, and when they just extended the life of it for another twenty years, and so we're stuck with it maybe for another twenty years. And uh, and it's not cheap compared to other things. And um, and then it's and then who's paying for the waste and the, and the ancillary harms uh, that go along with it? So that was the first mistake the that mistake? I know of. Okay. <laughs> and the second mistake was building this gas plant. And now the third one, I'm trying to recall. They. Um, my friend sued the PUD because they had uh, th- they had claimed that it was 249 megawatts for their power plant, but 
uh, my friend John Karpinski was able to demonstrate that it was 250 or 251 megawatts. And so he went to the state Supreme Court and he won. And uh, then uh, uh, the legislature said, okay, we're going to change it. The cutoff is not going to be 250. It's going to be 350. So then it, it, it went, Kenya to operate as operating now, and they're burning that power plant not for our benefit. They're, they're making a profit from it. They're selling electricity on the open market and polluting West Vancouver as a result. So they've been polluting that West Vancouver, and my opponent wants to keep on polluting West Vancouver for as long as possible. And she makes it sound like she cares, but basically all she's saying is, we're doing what the law for, force, is forcing us to do, but we don't want to do it one minute sooner. Okay. And air pollution causes things like, you know, asthma in children and a myriad of issues. It's not just the air kind of smells when you're outside. Yeah, there, there are health concerns, Yeah, there's two kinds right? of, of harms from burning fossil fuels. One is harming your health. I like to refer to that as health-harming pollutants. And then there's the climate-harming pollutants, which will will be far more, far worse, but uh, like civilization won't survive climate change, but we'll survive people dying of cancer at age 55 instead of 75, okay. which is what pollution tends to do is make you die younger. Yeah. So those are the three big mistakes you've identified. And those are the ones that I can think of right now. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so they did their own EIS on that plant when they could have had the environmental impact statement. Yeah. Okay. They could have had the the state energy facility site evaluation council do it. So when they do it themselves, they will probably underplay the risks. Uh, so I'll say that, and then now maybe the fourth mistake is they want to spend another ten million dollars on that same plant to keep it going longer. Okay. When I'd rather see them spend ten million dollars on um, solar and wind and conservation. However, I will say I don't oppose them keeping that as a backup for emergencies. Okay. But not to be using it to make profit and pollute the Southwest Washington and pollute the climate um, as long as possible. They're, put, they're the 10th largest polluter in the state of Washington, and my opponent wants to spend $10 million upgrading that, but she won't spend one dime on solar. So they're continuing to prop up a failing, not failing industry, but a, an aging industry that we know is not the future and putting the health of our community at risk. Definitely. And failing to invest in the yeah. future. Um, do we know, my first thought is, who funds her? Because I feel like you need to follow the money. Who funds these decisions? Are they being funded the, 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 by? The rate payers. Uh, the rate payers. They collect no taxes. They collect no fees. It's all your rates. You and I, we own the PUD. Yeah. Uh, you and I own it. Uh, all the people in Clark County own it. And that's, so it's a public utility district. So unlike an investor-owned utility like Portland General Electric, they are beholden to their shareholders. And the shareholders here are the, the rate payers, the people of Clark County. So is, what are, do you think your opponent's motivations are? Do you think she's motivated by That's a good industry question. money or is there something no, I else? Don't, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I, I believe she really does care about low-income people. Okay. Uh, wanting to make sure that we don't harm them. In fact, that's basically, so, so she will say she doesn't want to subsidize uh, homes of people putting in solar so they get to have solar. On the, and have the low-income people have to pay for that. 
And so what she fails to recognize is that when Clark Public Utilities subsidizes solar, and they have subsidized it a little bit, they have 2,100 customers in Clark County with solar on their roof. That's amazing. And they're getting about 20 or 30 more homes every month putting up solar panels. But that customer is spending $40,000 on his own. That's money the PUD doesn't have to spend for electricity, for supplying, for example. We're also adding 45 electric cars every month, and the PUD doesn't have the electricity for that. So those people putting up solar panels are, are saving the trouble that the PUD would have to go to to build more power plants to provide electricity for, those, for the growing population and for all those electric cars that are being bought every month in Clark County. About 45 per month for the last two years, even during the high prices when there's been supply chain problems and, and the dealers are marking them up above manufacturer's suggested retail price quite a bit. Um, even in spite of that, people are buying electric cars at a rate, at, a, at an increasing rate, 45 per month right now. So what are the big, what are the two paths people have the choice to continue with their elected representative, Nancy Barnes, and continue to fund energy that is polluting and not forward thinking and as compared to your vision? What is your vision? If you get elected, how are things going to change? My, my vision is to invest in conservation and solar. Conservation and solar. I've been saying this to them for three years. I've attended 100 meetings. I have a team that attends the meetings, my wife and I and Catherine Chetty, and a, a, a team of people that come less often, but still we show up, and we get dismissed by my opponent as being just those people. They, they're a sm small minority of loud voices, she calls us. And... Um, uh, and so uh, I've been advocating that they hire staff to invest in conservation and solar. And uh, there's th maybe three angles to think about on solar. There's large-scale solar projects where the sun is shining. There's large-scale large solar projects here in Clark County. And then there's individual private rooftops. Now, each one of those has a benefit. For example, individual rooftops, it costs the individual homeowner almost twice as much per solar panel to put it on his roof as it would be to build it on a giant solar farm uh, 100 miles east of here in Clickthack County where the sun is shining, and you put up 2 million of them, which has been proposed, put up 2 million of them there and do economies of scale. Yeah. You got... Crews out there, they bingo-bango, and they get it done. It's on the ground. They don't have to climb on roofs and everything. And they can, make, they can do it for about half the cost that they could do it on your roof. Okay. And uh, so that cuts the cost down. But it raises the cost another way. The way it raises the cost is how are you going to get that electricity from there to here? It, about one-third of your electric bill is for the long-distance transmission lines. And right now, with that fire growing, burning 20 miles from here, I had to evacuate my home this afternoon um, one hour ago uh, because that fire is burning in East Clark County. And if that fire burns through those, around those transmission lines, we could lose our, our electricity. So we're vulnerable to that. But they do pretty good. BPA does very good vegetation management, so it probably won't hurt them. 
uh, I think it'd be more at risk of seismic activity, uh, losing our, 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 those lines. But that's expensive to build those lines and to add more capacity. If you build it right here in, in Clark County, a big one, let's say underneath those power lines, we probably had 50,000 acres of power lines, transmission lines in Clark County. The land is sitting there with nothing on them except tansy, ragwort, and blackberries growing. <laughs> and so if they put solar panels underneath them, or we right in the middle of the county, we have a, a giant landfill that's been covered. It's made ready for solar. And um, they pro, uh, developer approached the PUD about putting in solar there. PUD said they weren't interested. And um, If Don is there, will they be interested? If you are there, will they be interested? Yes. <laughs> Good. And so I'm advocating for solar and wind, but I, I like to have things local as close as possible. But that's also a third thing, and a third part of the bill. So you, the cost of the energy is a third of the bill. The cost of the long-distance transmission is a third of the bill. And the local, in Clark County, tran, uh, trans, substations, transformers near your house, poles and wires, that's about a third of your electric bill. Yeah. And by having it on... Every school in every neighborhood, and every parking hot lot in every school in every neighborhood, then it's close, and you don't have to build quite as much capacity. And then, not very far from where we are, I'm thinking where we, we where we are on Fourth Plain, uh, on East Fourth Plain and 162nd Avenue, where they're building, where there's a Heritage Safeway, where I just said goodbye to my wife. Uh, because uh, we've evacuated. So she's <laughs> <where> okay. <laughs> and uh, she's okay. Uh, so uh, right near there, they're building a giant Amazon warehouse. And Amazon has ordered 100,000 electric trucks. And so the, suppose they bring five of them, 500 of them here. Where are they going to plug in? Is the, is the grid ready for them? Do they have a plan? They need to put it in a place in the grid where the grid is strong enough to support that. Well, the Amazon should pay for that, but we need to start coming up with a plan. And they don't have a plan that no one's working on it. In fact, on the long distance, on the long range plan for Clark Public Utilities, I shouldn't say long range, the two year plan. Okay, that's, yeah. <laughs> their two year plan, they don't mention electric trucks. And yes, that's where the industry is going, is electric trucks. Um, Amazon, like I said, has ordered 100,000 electric trucks. Walmart has ordered 2,000 electric semis, and they're being built on Swan Island. FedEx, um, and Frito-Lay and all the trucking companies, they want to go electric trucks. And in Southern California, SoCal Edison is investing $350 million in truck charging stations. So and there's Clark not a PUD, lot of foresight happening with the PUD yeah, right and now. And Clark PUD isn't even mentioning trucks in their integrated resource plan. So yeah, not That's a lot of wild. foresight, no planning for the future, even though industry is going that way, we're not going to be ready right. in our and county and if Governor we continue Inslee with current said, leadership. Um, um, about four days ago, he said, well, the world is moving toward electric trucks and electric buses and electric cars. Is our grid ready? And my answer is, no, we're not. No, like uh, that's one of the issues right? that they're discussing in California with the you know, they're not going to sell combustion engine vehicles after 2035 in California. And I believe Inslee said the same thing. But if we don't have the grid for that, it, that requires some prior planning. Right. And the PUD doesn't necessarily have to provide the electricity for it. But yeah. there's a there's a synergy. It's, it's a synergistic opportunity. Yeah. For example, if if um, if Amazon 
buys electricity from the grid from 11 p.m. to 6 in the morning when they have hardly any customers. They have no customers almost. Very little revenue is coming to the PUD. Yet they've got all that. They've got a billion-dollar infrastructure, poles, wires, transformers, substations in Clark County. It's basically idle from 11 p.m. till 6 in the morning. So if we are charging those Amazon trucks at that time, then um, we're bringing in revenue. That helps keeps our rates low. And uh, you hear that help keeps the rates low of the electricity you're paying, because that's a big argument I hear against this transition. And I believe an argument she's made that she's looking out for people who are having trouble make, right. making payments because everybody is right now with inflation. But things like this will actually help reduce your rates you're paying on electricity in Clark County. So having some foresight and planning for these things and being able to identify a potential, you know, potential income opportunities going forward seems important. Uh, yes. Uh, and she says contradictory things all the time. And just this morning in the, or yesterday morning in the Columbia, there was a story, the, the weekly energy advisor talks about how the number, the goals of the utility is to bring the benefits of electricity and make it affordable and reliable and make it so it doesn't, so that any thing that we do doesn't hurt the low income part of our community and that's her statement too my, my opponent's statement however um, read that article again if I could read that article again I could point out the fact that she said things that take you in the opposite oh yeah here it is she, she says people are knocking at our doors complaining about the fact that they can't pay their bills and they are they are uh, they're needing assistance and, and we do a fantastic job of providing assistance for people that other utilities would just shut, shut them off yeah cut them off but we work with them and and as a result we have a very successful effort made a very successful effort to have very few bills sent to collection in comparison to what other utilities would be doing in the same situation. However, Nancy Barnes opposes building codes that would make the buildings more efficient. Why would she? She said that makes the houses more expensive and it hurts low-income people who can't... We have an affordable housing crisis. And so she... And yet, in that very same article I was referring to, that says that the PUD has a great program in helping retrofit low-income community housing, low-income families retrofit their buildings to be more energy efficient. So here we are, we're paying to improve the buildings that and if they had been built right in the first place with these energy codes, we wouldn't have to be going back and doing retrofits, which cost much more than doing it right in the first place. And she's opposing building code standards that make the buildings more efficient. So she sounds like maybe not my words, not yours. Maybe like she's not that intelligent. She's she is bright and uh, she she is bright, but she just doesn't think like a conservationist. It's hard to say. <laughs> I don't know how to categorize her. Some people have referred to her as a libertarian. And I, I think they would translate that, that to mean they don't like government in general. They like, uh, generally speaking, they don't 
they like less government, which is funny since she's, she's working for basically <laughs> a, a, a so, she, she's strange. in government and she's basically working for a socialist institution. And whenever you have the publicly owned facility, uh, a major facility, a billion dollar operation that's owned by the public, that's that's what socialism is, I believe. Yeah. And uh, interesting. <laughs> so it sounds like she's not nefarious, maybe just not. Maybe well, just... it's hard to pin it, really, really hard to pin her down okay. on climate change. Like back 10 years ago, she was complaining about my team wanting to shut down the coal burning power plant in Centralia. She was complaining about that. We got to keep that thing going because that provides us with cheap electricity. And, um, and then she came back from a trip to Utah and uh, said how wonderful their coal-burning power plants were there because it was cheap and reliable and electricity. And then um, I asked her point blank in a commission meeting five or six years ago something about climate change, and she said, she denies it, but she, there's no recording, so who knows? He said, she said. <laughs> uh, she said, our legislature has more important things to do than talk about climate change. And since then, on her on her Facebook page, it's hard to know what she is saying and what her husband is saying, but it's on her page. And uh, but they've disparaged electric cars, they've disparaged windmills, saying, "Look at all the look at look at all those wind blades being buried in a landfill. How horrible is that?" And uh, uh, and then about a year and a half, two years ago, I asked her point blank again about climate change, and she, on camera, this time visibly, kept her mouth shut on purpose just so everybody would know my lips are sealed. I'm not going to say anything. Because she knew I might be, maybe I was running it. No, I hadn't declared yet. But <laughs> she knew there was several people that were showing up at the meetings. So she's hard to pin down, but it sounds like she doesn't have a lot of foresight and isn't necessarily planning for the future of Clark County, but maybe trying to cling to the way things used to be. Yes, and uh, she try in the voters' pamphlet, she tries to sound like she cares about climate change. Her statement in the voters' pamphlet says, and we're going to decarbonize the grid responsibly so that it doesn't hurt uh, reliability or affordable affordability uh, of our electricity. So, but basically, she's just saying we're going to obey the law, but we're not going to do it one minute sooner. And now the record is she's not willing to invest one dime in solar. So we have these 2,100 solar homes in Clark County with solar, and the way that these are built is with what's called net metering. So the utility comes to them, council member, well. Bart Hansen works for the utility. He's also a city council member, and he's in charge of the residential solar. And um, so he, his team will come to a house, and they'll they'll say, "Okay, you use this much electricity this year, or that's how much you're using year on year out." And so here's how many solar panels you can install. If you do, it should be, pretty much balance out at the end of the year. You'll produce as much electricity as you use. However, if you produce more than you use from us, we'll give you the difference and we'll pay you the retail rate. Well, Nancy Barnes doesn't like paying retail rate for that electricity that you produce on your roof. 
because they could go buy it at wholesale from a polluting fossil fuel plant for three cents, for, for one-third the cost. And so that's, that's the subsidy she doesn't like. She's mean that because we're paying a subsidy to that solar panel to produce cleaner energy, cleaner air for our Clark County, she doesn't like to pay that subsidy because it keeps our, makes our rates stay higher than she would like them to be. And she would like to be able to buy the polluting source of electricity instead because it's cheaper. But if she did that in conjunction with accepting some of these proposed solar farms such as on the covered dump site or on schools or things like that, you could theoretically lower rates, but she's just choosing to not adopt all the options available? Uh Okay, that, that's a little more complicated. The, the, the people who are doing that, and this is a, I just read this in the Time magazine about a week ago, or two weeks ago. I, it's, it has so much rich material that I have to keep on rereading it. But what they're saying there, a new tool, like, there's a, a new tool, like, what's the, what's the tool that allowed suburbs to happen? The tool that allowed suburbs to happen, according to Time magazine, was the mortgage. If you didn't have mortgages, I wouldn't have my home without a mortgage. So that was really amazing feature of our banking institution is to provide mortgages. Apparently, that wasn't very much done before 1945. Now, the tool that's allowing solar giant solar farms to be built is called the Purchase Power Agreement. So suppose you are a developer. You find 1,000 acres near some power lines, and you look at that and you say, if I put up a million solar panels on this place, that'd be a good thing. Where am I gonna get the money? So then they come, go to somebody else that uses electricity, and they say, if I build that, will you sign a contract that you'll buy all the electricity for this amount of money? And Amazon has been signing those deals like crazy. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But that, so then, when when they get that contract from a big company, they guarantee to pay for all the electricity from that solar farm at a certain fixed rate, and it's never going to go up because once you build it, it there's no it's there's there. no war in Iraq that's going to change their cost of solar. And uh, so uh, then they take that contract to the bank and say, "Now would you loan us some money?" Now, that's called a purchase power agreement. And I never heard of these things until, until uh, 18 years ago. And a company called Sun Edison was pioneering that effort. But anyway, so Amazon has been doing this, and they have already built 16 gigawatts. Now, how big is a gigawatt? It's Bonneville, it's Bonneville Dam. Bonneville Dam is about one gigawatt. So Amazon has, already has in operation around the United States, maybe outside the United States, I'm not sure, 16 Bonneville Dams, 16 gigawatts of solar already operating because they want to be clean and green. And it, maybe it's because it's cheaper. And uh, I would assume it's because it's cheaper. Probably because it's cheaper, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they have... They have plans within the next two years to have 20 more. So they already have 16 Bonneville Dams worth of solar, and they want to build 20 more Bonneville Dams worth of solar in the next two years. So we may actually be missing out on 
opportunities to lower rates for residents by not exploring well, well, these options? The, the another part of this cool, it's really a fun, I, this is really, uh, I appreciate you letting me talk. Yeah. Uh, the uh, innovation works. The, the way innovation works, this comes out of MIT. The way innovation works is you, you, you first of all, get prototypes and then you start making mass produce mass produce them and you work as fast as you can toward economies of scale and the closer you get to economies of scale the lower the cost comes so amazon is driving down the cost of solar they're helping achieve economies of scale because people learn by doing. For example, instead of assembling solar panels on the roof of a school in the neighborhood, you could assemble them in the parking lot and just take a crane and lift them all up on the roof and set them there. That's a lot easier than sending all your workers up on a hot roof. Uh, uh, pavement might be hot too, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, a little safer on the ground. It's, it's safer on the ground and... Less, less of a hassle. So those are little technique. Not those are big techniques for cutting costs. And um, and this happens. The um, we can predict. And this happens predictably. You, we can predict that the cost of solar is going down. Now I just read. One of my former students is feeding me this information. He lives in Texas now. He he says that the Deutsche Bank in Germany is forecasting the future of solar prices. And investors follow this kind of forecasting of prices as you reach economies of scale. It's called the learning curve. And they are saying, in addition to the learning curve, two. reaching economies of scale, there are two things that are happening. One is the, is the IRA, the in, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Another one is, so that the Inflation Reduction Act provides two things. It provides incentives to the manufacturer of solar panels, which is going to cut down the cost of solar. Right now, I think, if I can remember correctly, I think they said it costs 20 cents per watt to manufacture a solar panel. The incentive that the Biden administration has for solar panels is 18 cents. So that's bringing it way down. Then there's another incentive incentive for the developer of the solar project, the guy who buys the, the 2,000 th acres and puts this up, another incentive for him to, to do that. And so Deutsche Bank said it's conceivable, mathematically, that solar farms could be built for $0 per, per unit of energy. Well, they, it's 0.4 cents per unit of energy, which rounds off to zero, <laughs> nearest, nearest whole number. Yeah. And, um, but that, that incentive wouldn't last forever. But what they're doing with this is driving down, driving down the costs because they learn by doing. And in Clark County, half of the half of the learning by doing, half of that is, you got to have a workforce that's trained. You got to have businesses. Green jobs. Uh, you like got to have you got to have businesses cap. and contractors that are are ready to go on this. And and you don't get you don't just wait you just on a dime you don't just say okay well now we're all in you don't wait till the price comes down and say you're well you haven't driven down the price you haven't got a trained workforce and you need a 
be helping bring down the price, not wait till somebody else in Germany or in China does it for you. Agreed. It sounds like you have a very holistic view of things and like you've been in <laughs> deeply, deeply involved for decades and perhaps... Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, perhaps your opponent is not thinking of things quite as holistically and as community-oriented as you are. Um, yeah. She uh, basically... Her proudest moment maybe was building that gas burning power plant because it, and she and it would be an embarrassment to, to her, to maybe. Yeah. To to say I was wrong, but that's we, a good I'm point. I'm not trying to point mm -hmm. her at saying she was wrong. We just yeah. want to say it's wrong to, to not invest in solar. Yeah, I mean, I think we see that we've discussed this before. I think that a lot of I think uh, older generations, it's kind of their, their whole life is you know I've. We have someone in the room whose parent is like a travel agent. So how do you say that traveling the way we do it is not environmentally friendly? If Nancy's whole thing is, you know, I built this power plant and that's her largest accomplishment in her, you know. Yeah, she identifies with it. Yeah, and, that's her whole yeah. ethos. And then to admit that maybe that's not the, was not the right decision then and is not the right way to move forward is probably really hard. And I don't, I don't blame her for building it. Yeah. But I just would like to, okay, that's in the past. Let's move forward with solar and right. conservation. And, um, and a, a huge part of conservation is heat pumps. And my wife and I and my team, we've been testifying for the last year at this Washington State Building Code Council for those building codes that Nancy Barnes, my opponent, opposes. And, uh, and we have probably the highest building code standard in the nation. Uh, we go back and forth between California on who has the highest. But there are parts of it that we want that we still haven't, don't have, two parts. And, uh, but that's not the PUD's uh, bailiwick, uh, but it's, it's through the legislature. And so, uh, but heat pump, water heaters, heat pumps in the homes, and any building that's currently in Clark County that is a building that's heated with a boiler, gas boilers like schools and Walmarts and everything heated with gas boilers maybe. I don't know about Walmart, but, but schools and hospitals are heated with boilers, gas boilers, hotels and whatnot, um, heated with gas boilers. If they need to get a permit to do repairs, they should pull out that fossil fuel thing and put in a heat pump system. That would be my advocacy, and that's what our advocacy is with the Building Code Council. Uh, however, what is the PUD's role in that? Having enough role is having enough electricity to, to, to power those heat pumps. And Mayor Ogle asked, well, in the last city council meeting, I was in the debate at the League of Women Voters, uh, when I got a text from city council, one of my friends was there. She said, Mayor Ogle's asking, will we have enough electricity if we convert the city buildings to all electric? So you have a number of city properties that run on fossil fuels that, for their heat. And will we be ha have enough electricity to, to convert them to? And so well, the answer is, I'm not sure. And uh, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if we, if we do. And it's not on the, on the, I think it may have been briefly touched on in the PUD's long-range plan or two-year plan. Um, 
they do actually have a longer-range plan. It's a four-year plan, and every two years they have to upgrade it. And and then they 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 get the, they get their guidance not from their own intelligence. They get their guidance from. Uh, they have to choose, do everything based on least cost alternative, least least cost uh, measure. So I said, how do you decide what's the least cost way of conserving energy? They said, we get our guidance from Bonneville Power Administration. And they, in turn, get their guidance from the Northwest Public, Northwest Power and Conservation Council. And they, in turn, get their advice from their technical advisors. And so whenever they have a conservation project in Clark County, they themselves are not looking for opportunities. They are going up the chain of command, and whatever that's recommended, that's what they do. So they can be, they're totally blind to energy, cons, energy waste in Clark County, and not very far from right where we are, Fourth Plain, where Fourth Plain and Ward Road intersect, there's a little mini mall there. 24 hours a day, right now when the sun is shining, 24 hours a day, they have their perimeter lights on around all their buildings. I've been noticing that for 50 years and complaining about it to everybody that I could talk to <laughs> about it for 50 years. So about two years ago, I went to the owner of that property. I said, why are you doing that? Why do you leave the lights on 24 hours a day? He said, because we got tagged 50 years ago. And we got tagged at nighttime because someone forgot to turn the perimeter lights on at nighttime. So Even we just we leave them on all the time. <laughs> Even though we don't need them. But this is not rare. This is possible. everywhere in Clark County. So we're burning fossil fuels right now to run lights all over Clark County. They're lighting up people's parking lots. And if you were in that parking lot, you wouldn't even notice the lights were on because the sun is so bright. Sun is so bright and it's 87 degrees outside. And yes. On and here it is, what, October 16, and it's 87 degrees and we have forest fires in Clark County. Yeah. Well, Don, I hope you get elected because it sounds like a promising future if you do. Thank you. And uh, the more votes I get, the more the utility... Basically, Nancy Barnes has never initiated anything. I've attended 100 meetings, and she's never initiated any policy. She basically goes with whatever staff recommends. And so now I've recognized that the people... that My most important audience is the staff. <laughs> and then they get courage. Because my team has been speaking there for the last four or five years, every meeting, twice a month, and advocating for climate action and for emissions reduction, conservation, and more renewables, and um, trying to t educate them. And th I think they, the, the uh, I know you have to leave, so cut me off. <laughs> but um, no, I, think we're, yeah. the, I think maybe because of my announcing my candidacy, one week later, the energy advisor in the Columbian said, we're going to double our conservation incentives until the money runs out. Then three months later, they said, we're going to invest $30 million in smart meters. They don't like to use the word smart meters. They like to say uh, advanced meters, advanced metering infrastructure. Uh, smart meters, advanced metering infrastructure are basically electric meters that, that are connected to the Internet. It's I think they're saying that they would read the meters once a day. But I think they could be read every five minutes. And if you... Uh, if they have a shortage of electricity, they could have a contract with you saying, if we have a, a shortage of electricity, would you be willing to sh shut off your water heater for two hours? And if we do, are willing to do that, we'll give you a break on your rates. 
that sort of thing. Yeah. It's some sort of an agreement like that. They use artificial intelligence and it's advanced metering infrastructure. And so uh, so they even have set aside $30 million for that. But they're 10 years behind. They've been doing this in Southern California for at least 10 years. Uh, and... Uh, and the reason why some people are, don't like it is uh, we cannot have, they'll be talking on their cell phone saying, we cannot have advanced meters at our house because we don't want all that electromagnetic radiation while they're talking on a cell phone. <laughs> and every wire in this house, every wire in anybody's house is putting out electromagnetic fields 60 times a second. It's like so, a Better Call Saul episode in here. <laughs> <laughs> that that's just for your power cords, but but all your gadgets yeah yeah uh, have different uh, frequencies. Sometimes they interfere with other things. Oh. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, Don. We learned a lot today about what's possible. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot. Wow, thank you. Like all the little changes that you mentioned and big changes seem like they would add up to make a big difference um, for the health and longevity of the people of Clark County. Uh, thank you. And it's about protecting our children's future. Mm-hmm.